Three seconds. Curry from half court. Oh! He puts it in at the buzzer. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Warriors All 82 Podcast. Podcast guru Nate Duncan on. Uh, and I, this doesn't have to be a super long one, Nate, uh, but I have three subjects I want to talk about. I want to talk about this Nuggets team, uh, you know, in relation to the Warriors, DeMarcus Cousins, and Kevin Durant. Um, start with this matchup, though. Uh, Nuggets-Warriors, this is the third time this season there's been at least, like, a mild buzz going into the matchup. I remember going to Denver. Um you know both teams were right around like 29 and 12 or something at the time the Broncos season had just ended in Denver um and I remember even talking to some of the local actual basketball writers there being like man there's like 12 reporters here this is the first time they've been here all season and the buzz around town was um you know here you know this is the Nuggets they got a chance to kind of capture the the attention of the town that mostly only cares about football and Rockies baseball uh, and then the Warriors put 51 on them in the first quarter, smacked them that night. They smacked them last month when the Nuggets were, I think, one back of the Warriors. The Nuggets, who have had a steady season, were still one back of them tonight. And they kind of delivered them the knockout blow. And to me, kind of, I just I just don't really want to see this playoff matchup because I think we've pretty much seen it won't be much of a matchup. Yeah, it doesn't seem that way. And for the Nuggets even when they go to more of their defensive lineups uh, where they have some limited personnel there, they can't stop the Warriors at, at all. You know, Jokic is an average defensive center. He's got good hands, but he's just too limited vertically and uh, horizontally to really get out on the floor. Same thing when they play Plumley, And then offensively, the Nuggets, because they play Millsap or they'll play Plumley together with Jokic, they don't really have the spacing to capitalize against really a locked-in Warriors defense and then this is also uh, as you're going to get into your second point a great matchup for DeMarcus Cousins because the Nuggets don't really play spread pick and roll they aren't shooting the three especially well this season with a lot of their groups so and DeMarcus was able to stone Jokic in the post and go at him uh, on the other end so it's really just a very very good matchup for the Warriors what's your belief level in Denver um overall as they go into the West playoffs look I mean uh, again if if they get to the West finals and the Warriors sweep them that's a huge success for Denver Uh, at this point I assume they just kind of want to get to the West finals um but to me they almost seem vulnerable in the first saying before the game that like their goal was making the playoffs and so he's kind of like and it's like they had this big celebration they had this big celebration when they clinched their playoff spot. So it doesn't seem like the mentality of like, all right, we're going to go in and we're just well, going to rock teams. Like you compare them to like the big surprise from the East, like the Bucks, for example, they don't seem to have the same mentality. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You said, I remember maybe a, a very illustrative uh, point in all that was right around the all-star break when um, there was that one night where it mattered if the, if the Nuggets won, um, then uh, Mike Malone's coaching staff would be at the All-Star game. And if they had lost, um, Steve Kerr's staff would have been. And both staffs had the same – like the Nuggets won and both staffs had the same reaction. There was, a, there was a wild celebration out in the tunnel over here because the Warriors like, we don't have to go. We don't have to do this. Stuff, stuff like took that video yeah. of the coaching staff like – 
how they're locked in, like it was Game Seven of the NBA yeah. Finals, like well, rooting for the Nuggets to win. And meanwhile, the Nuggets like had like a water, you know, cooler celebration, where like dumping water in the in the locker room because I mean it, it's such a first time thing for him for them. But uh, anyways, back to the point. I mean, like how vulnerable do you think they are in Round One? Right now, they'd be matched up with the Spurs. Uh, that could potentially be the Thunder. That could get flipped, you know, one eight two seven. Um, or, you know, if uh, the Clippers fall back or, or potentially even the Jazz, uh, how vulnerable do you think they are, even in the first round? I think we both think the Rockets would beat them, but will they even get to the Rockets? You know, I think they might have been vulnerable against Portland. Now with Nurkic out, I, I don't see that necessarily. Uh, I would pick them to beat OKC, uh, who they've swept this year. They, I think Jokic matches up well with OKC. Uh, I would pick them to beat the Spurs. Uh, I'm not that impressed with the Spurs. They've relied a lot on their bench this year. You know, their starters actually haven't been that effective. That's going to become less useful in the playoffs when teams go to, uh, you know, play their guys more minutes. Isn't that the same argument you could make for Denver, though? I feel like they've survived the season off their depth. But in the playoffs, like, that won't matter as much for them, right? Well, I actually think their starting lineup is pretty good against a lot of teams. You know, against the Warriors, not so much because you they don't have anyone to guard KD. But, you know, I think if you can extend Jokic out, I mean, he's a, a probably a better player than anyone on the Spurs. You, know, you can get him out there more minutes. Millsap, they've been, he's a veteran. They've been kind of limiting his minutes a little bit. Um, so, I, I mean, I think their depth helped them because they had injuries, and they were, so I don't disagree with what you said, but I do think their starting lineup is actually a pretty powerful group uh, in the grand scheme of things if they get the right matchup. But, I mean, I think Houston, they're going to get completely destroyed by, I would pick put Utah ahead of them in the power rankings as well, but I'd probably put them like fourth in the power rankings of Western Conference playoff teams right now. Yeah, Utah's been like maybe the second best team in the West in the in the second half, or at least third. Yeah, well, their schedule was so hard in the first half and so easy in the second half. But statistically, you're right. Yeah, I mean, they've been, I think they're like third in net rating in the whole league right now, I want to say. Yeah, well, um, okay, you know, I kind of mentioned Cousins. Um, it is a very good matchup for them because it's, uh, again, like you said, they don't have a guard that runs a ton of high screen and roll action. Uh, Jokic is not a towns where he's going to, like, kind of, you know, take you out shoot threes and like really go by you off the dribble with like maybe some quick moves even though cousins played well against towns the other night um cousins can kind of just throw his weight around and i think some of the tricky stuff that Jokic does it gets a little bit thrown off by just cousins muscling him uh, around and i thought cousins was really active tonight in the last matchup that's two straight Jokic cousins matchup that cousins has clearly won um, but also in this last month, he was very good against Oklahoma City in Oklahoma City, and he was very good in Houston. Uh, really, kind of gave it to Capella. I don't think Houston. I think Houston was kind of holding it in the chamber a little bit, not attacking him too much in that game. But this is a guy who some people, plenty of people, have been concerned about: can he survive in a playoff environment? And this is now four straight games against what many would probably consider the three top, uh, you know, West challengers, Nuggets. Rockets, you know, maybe the Jazz, like we were talking about in there, but the Thunder. Uh, and he survived. What are your thoughts on him, you know, a week, two weeks out from, from what will be his first playoff experience ever? Yeah, it's, it's crazy to think about it. And I think he's giving them exactly what they need right now, which is some post-scoring, 
some defensive rebounding as well, maybe a little offensive rebounding. He shot the three okay tonight, which has not been a part of his game really. So some good passing. He's his effort level, especially like the first, you know, maybe four or five possessions after a timeout is usually really good. He makes some big full court plays, uh, and then he's not closing halves. You know, that's the other thing too. You know, we felt like as long as there's they still it was still the uh, the Hamptons five that broke it open today uh, at the very end of that. Uh, first or first half, and he didn't play. You know, they yeah. went to Bogut. He was only a plus one in the first half. I'm looking yeah. now. Whereas yeah. Draymond and Steph were plus fourteens. He would all have plus thirteen off the bench. Right. So I, I think he, he he's an innings eater. He can give them some scoring on that second unit. He's a, a big body against uh, opposing centers. But as long as they're still you know 25 minutes a night, maybe 30, not closing halves. Uh, and it seems like Kerr, no matter how well he plays in theory, I mean, because he had a bunch of points in the first half, he still is not going to close halves for this team because of just how good they've been with that other group. I, I think it's working out perfectly for them. And that there may be some teams that he doesn't hold up as well against, but really Houston is probably the only one that comes to mind. You know, we don't have LeBron James surrounded by a bunch of shooters that the Warriors have to go at against anymore. Yeah. And he, he just wants it, uh, which which matters on this Warriors team. Like, you could just tell, like, he's going to come out, like, flamethrowing in the playoffs as far as, like, he's flying around the court. He You know, that's going to lead to quick foul trouble, and he's probably going to pick up a tee. He might get tossed. He got tossed the other night. Um, and it's, like, but, you, I mean, like, a, a lot of times with this Warriors team, like, that's such an important factor to just have a guy who is just, just very energized to be there. Uh, on a team that, you know, as we know, mentally can kind of fluctuate in and out. And I can't imagine the type of energy he's going to bring come the playoffs. Uh, And and that's just a factor. Yeah. And the beauty is if he gets in foul trouble, you're not relying on him. You know, they've got Bogut in too. Bogut Bogut has been helpful uh, as well. He's looked really spry after that season in Australia. I think offensively actually is where I've noticed the biggest difference for him and looking – you know, a little bit more effective around the rim than he had been uh, in his previous since the last couple of years when he just couldn't finish anything at all. He was scared to go up around the basket. Um, but, yeah, so as long as you're not relying on him and you can view him as a bonus, and then if he's not working out or it's not the right matchup, he's, in theory, seems to be okay with, you know, taking a back seat in those situations. Uh, you know, maybe he'll just get out of control with that in the playoffs. But, you know, Steve was uh, – he did his, oh, he's been fantastic to coach. Although he did acknowledge that during his Achilles rehab, he was a little surlier. But, uh, you know, so who knows? Steve loves to talk up everybody and their brother. They're, he's all about these reclamation projects. But, uh, you know, certainly all the indications are, are pretty good for him right now. One thing I know is uh, he's been very, while well, he's thorny at times and he can, you know, he's kind of got his little bully uh, persona, he has been very locked into, like, trying to, you know, absorb the winning environment as far as like, oh, this is how we study the tape. Okay. Like he's very, he's been coachable in the sense of like, he will sit there and really, uh, you know, be, be clued into what they're trying to tell him on pick and roll defense and stuff. And that's with Ron Adams. That's with Kerr and film room. Now, look again, he has his throwing moments. He's, he, he basically seems to be mad at Steve Kerr every time he's pulled out of the game. And he's not a guy that exactly bites his tongue. He's doing some showmanship stuff tonight, looking down the court at Jokic, oh, that, that was fantastic. which yeah. which was funny. He's in the locker room saying, some people are wolf, some people are sheep. <laughs> so, I mean, first of all, he's just a, a fun guy to have around. It at times does rub people the wrong way, but I think that's been the, the big takeaway 
that I think Steve appreciates because look, we're talking about a guy who's coached Draymond Green, who's played with crazy you know personalities with Dennis Rodman. Uh, while Steve, I think maybe uh, gets frustrated at times with him, he is just a guy that understands if you can channel that uh, kind of wildness at times into winning basketball, uh, it's a positive thing to have around. That's kind of what he's done. Uh, third subject, Kevin Durant, um, ejected tonight. Don't really have to go too much over that. He was mad about a non-foul. Got two quick ones from Zach Zarba, 15 tees on the season. Um, but before that, 21 points in 21 minutes, nothing, 9 of 13 shooting, 6 assists. Um, I kind of tweeted it out. I know we talked about it a little pregame. I think he's locking down that second all-NBA first team forward slot over Paul George as the Thunder has kind of faded. And, you know, if, if I would have said that a month ago, I mean, people would have disagreed. Do you think that's a sure thing at this point? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I can't get in everyone else's yeah. head. He'll certainly will be my non-existent vote for uh, first team uh, all in the NBA. But hopefully some people who do have votes will listen to the show and uh, will – uh, be in agreement with me uh but yeah i mean i think he, he's been good he, he gave a better defensive effort tonight we didn't see the kind of lapses that we'll see from him at, at times and i thought it was very interesting after these you know we've been talking about how he's been so efficient but he's taken eight shots six shots in, in some of these games didn't have an efficient night in, in minnesota when they lost but i thought it was very clear that they came out on a mission to get him going especially because he had a really juicy matchup with Will Barton, another reason why the Warriors just uh, match up so well with this Denver group. I mean, they're not playing Hernan Gomez anymore. He's really the only guy they have with the size to match up with them, unless they want to go with Millsap, and they like Millsap on Draymond so that he can help out a little bit more. Uh, they started. They finally went with Millsap on KD for one possession, and that was the possession he thought he got fouled, and then he got tossed immediately. So we didn't get to, we didn't get to see that matchup uh, much, but I don't think Millsap is quite quick enough to stay with him either, uh, although – you know, you at least can prevent him from posting up. But they, I mean, Denver wasn't really switching anything. Uh, he was just ball racking. I mean, as soon as he, he got the ball, basically, he was going to just take two dribbles and rise up over Will Barton. They also had Steph screening for him. They weren't switching that screen because they didn't want Murray to get stuck onto him. And so he, he got a, they ran a couple of those plays early for him. And then the way he was just going through Barton, uh, for those big dunks, and he knows uh, with Jokic out there, there's no rim protector there that he has to worry about once he gets past the initial line of defense. So this is a great matchup uh, for him, and he delivered, uh, and the game was over by the time he got ejected. What have you thought about kind of the way he's been playing recently? You know, I, you know, it's good basketball. It's, it's high assist totals from him. I think he's had a, a good defensive few weeks. Uh, I, you know, as we've talked about plenty, he kind of fluctuates in and out, uh, you know, uh, of caring defensively, it seems. But I thought, you know, he had two tone-setting blocks early tonight. Um, but there's also, like, the, you're just looking like he only took five shots in this game. He only took six shots. There's some clear times where he's maybe over-distributing. Um, what have you thought? You know, last game, I didn't think they really – gave him the ball in the scoring zones they weren't running play for plays for him and you know i'm sure anytime he wants to go down and and get into the post they'll throw it to him but you know he wasn't necessarily being aggressive but they also just wasn't getting the ball in the scoring zone that much and uh, naturally his game is not moving off the ball every once in a while he'll make one hard backdoor cut for a dunk but he's not going to run all over the court the way Steph and Clay are you know he might come off a one screen but that play's got to be for him they'll throw it to him he's going to shoot it immediately you know he's not there was one play even last game where you know he handed it to Bogut and then did did a handoff and Bogut's like all right now keep going back door and he 
Giddy was kind of like, all right, I guess I got a cut. And, like, it actually ended up being, being a nice play. They threw it to him and then ended up getting it to Clay in the corner. But, you know, it's just not naturally his game. So when everything's running well and they don't really need him to score, you know, he can end up kind of being left out of things a little bit unless you give it to him to run pick and roll or you give it to him in the post specifically. So, but that's fine for the team. You know, I mean, they, when they go to him is when other things aren't really working that well or they feel like he has a particularly good matchup. So, and it's also worth noting that the team has been awesome offensively in all those games. They're putting up great offensive ratings. I mean, the game uh, two nights ago, you know, they had like a 150 offensive rating through three quarters. Uh, uh, yeah. And it's the assist totals have been, and that's yeah. usually when you know with the Warriors when the assist totals are crazy high. Tonight it was 20 in the first half. That's four straight games with 20 assists and a half, um, which is, I, uh, the team put out this stat, but I think it's the first time any team's done that since the 07 Suns, which were the Steve Nash teams. Um, they're going to lead the NBA in assist rate for a four straight season. Um, you know, so things are going well. Tonight, they've moved two up on the Nuggets. They clinched the tiebreaker. They basically sealed home court tonight. Yeah. Now they're going to kind of, uh, you know, kind of sleep through these next five games, probably rest a bunch of guys. They got two back to backs coming up starting at LA Thursday, uh, back home. Friday against the Cavaliers. Um, it's time for a Warriors fan to shift your attention to what's going on below them. Do the Rockets get that three seed? The Warriors should really be yeah. kind of root. Rockets could even get two. Yeah. Rockets could even get two. And I, mean, I think the they're – and from the from the Warriors' perspective, I don't think they care if the Rockets get two or three. They just don't want the Rockets to be in four. I don't think it's going to happen. Portland would have to hop Houston. I think they're a half game back, and obviously Portland had the Nurkic injury. Um, yeah, D- Denver and Portland actually play each other twice uh, at the, yeah. the end of the way. So, I mean, you know, it is possible if the Blazers win both those games. Seems unlikely uh, with the, some of their injuries. But Danny was on the other night, and he was almost advocating that um, Denver purposely lose those games to try to get Portland ahead of Houston. But the danger with that is they lose both those games, then the Houston, Houston hops yeah. Denver, and then, yeah. And, and then, they're, uh, then they got Utah – in the four or five, that's a real. I, I would favor Utah in that series. I think uh, even without home court, and then you got to play the Warriors again. So I mean, yeah, I mean they they really want to get the two seed. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and then from a Warriors perspective, you look down at the bottom of the West right now. It's Spurs Thunder tied uh, with I think four games to go for each team. Spurs hold the tiebreaker. From an Anthony Slater perspective. Yeah, I'm not, you know, if I have to cover a, a series in San Antonio for the fifth time in six years, you know, whatever, whatever. I'm just hey, here. I'm just here to do my job. Yeah, just just happy to be here. That's a, that's that's a, no. I'm I'm rooting against that just because I uh, the Warriors are going to whack them. It's not even going to be close. At least OKC will give us like some storylines to talk about. And it's not going to be a fun series to analyze. That series last year was incredibly boring, and the Warriors didn't have Steph Curry. So. Uh, I'm rooting for OKC to fall into eighth. And then, you know, I think Denver Spurs will be an interesting series if that's what ends up happening. Yeah, the Warriors coaching staff is rooting for the exact opposite. They want boring, and they want easy to scout, and they would love a little quick four or five gamer, and they wouldn't even mind going to San Antonio to do it. So they're they're staying in an Irish resort out there. But all right, Nate, appreciate you coming on. And I will talk to you probably one of the two games, either the Lakers game or the Cavs game, Um, but probably not. Talk to you then.